If you're enjoying this Crush Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Med Prep to Go Step 1 Questions podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called the Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ted O'Connell, one of the authors of Crush Step 1, the ultimate USMLE Step 1 review, along with my co-authors, Ryan Pedigo and Thomas Blair. I am also the chief content officer for Inside the Boards. This is a Crush Step 1 podcast based on the second edition of our best-selling book. The goal is to provide you high-yield and high-quality audio content of the book to help you study on the go and reclaim some of the time in your day. Welcome back to the microbiology chapter of Crush Step 1. This is Mimi narrating part 6. In this part of the chapter, we'll finish off our discussion of viruses, move on to discuss prion diseases, and finally begin our discussion of fungal diseases. Let's start part 6 with a discussion of coronaviruses. Please keep in mind if you're listening that this section was written before the emergence of severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2, which causes COVID-19. Coronaviruses have a helical capsid, are enveloped, have a single-stranded, linear, positive-sense RNA structure, and the viruses of clinical significance within this family are coronaviruses and severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus. Up to one-third of acute upper respiratory infections, which are the common cold, are caused by coronaviruses. They are spread by respiratory secretions, aerosolized droplets, and direct contact with mucocutaneous secretions, which means it helps transmission to cover one's cough and wash one's hands. Symptoms of the common cold include nasal congestion, rhinorrhea, sore throat, and cough. Individuals are usually afebrile. Vaccination against coronaviruses is not possible currently because of antigenic variation. Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus gained worldwide notoriety in 2003 after causing an epidemic affecting more than 20 countries and thousands of people. It begins with a prodromal syndrome of fever, malaise, headache, and myalgias, unlike symptoms of the common cold, and then progresses to non-productive cough and dyspnea, Chest radiographs reveal diffuse interstitial infiltrates. Death may occur from acute respiratory distress syndrome or respiratory failure, and treatment is supportive care. Next, let's discuss orthomyxoviruses. They have a helical capsid, are enveloped, have a single-stranded, linear, negative RNA structure, and the virus of clinical significance within this family is the influenza virus. The influenza viruses A and B cause epidemic flu, which we experience every year during the winter months. Upper respiratory symptoms such as sore throat and dry cough are accompanied by headache, myalgias, malaise, fever, and shaking chills. The virus owes its success to its high infectivity, quick spread by aerosolized droplets, 
and the principles of antigenic drift and antigenic shift, which are discussed later and shown in figures 551 and 552. Influenza can cause a primary pneumonia, but most of the complications and cases in which death occurs are due to secondary infection, usually pneumonia and otitis media, by bacteria Staph aureus, H. flu, and Strep pneumo, particularly in immunocompromised patients and older adults. Worse still is pandemic flu, a worldwide outbreak caused by the rare strain to which there is zero immunity. The H1N1 outbreak in 2009 was an example of this. The viral structure is crucial to understanding its virulence. Its membrane contains lipoprotein spikes, some of which have hemagglutinin activity and some of which have neuraminidase activity. Hemagglutinin, or HA, attaches to sialic acid receptors found on erythrocytes, hence causing heme agglutination, and the upper respiratory tract epithelium, which the virus binds to in order to dump its RNA into the epithelial cell. The spikes with neuraminidase, or NA, activity cleave neuraminic acid, a component of host defense found in the mucus lining of the respiratory tract, allowing the virus to both expose sialic acid receptors and allow budding viruses to escape from the cell. Antibodies to HA and NA are protective, so why can we get infected with the flu again and again? This is due to two different concepts. The first is antigenic drift, in which replication leads to small variations in the surface proteins. Individuals previously exposed to that strain will have partial protection, causing a milder disease. The second concept is antigenic shift, in which viruses that infect different species infect the same cell and create new viruses during replication with mixed HA and NA antigens. Of the three types of influenza virus, types A, B, and C, only influenza type A infects multiple species and hence is the only type in which this occurs. The different HA and NA antigens are given a number subscript. For example, H5N1 is avian influenza or bird flu. These new strains, to which no one is immune at first, are what cause pandemic flu. Control of influenza involves guessing what strains will cause next year's epidemic flu and creating inactivated vaccines for the population. Immunocompromised patients, older adults, and healthcare workers should be immunized first. A live attenuated nasal spray vaccine is available for those who qualify. Drugs to treat influenza are most effective if given early or prophylactically. The adamantanes, which are amantadine and rimantadine, block the M2 ion channel of influenza A, preventing acidification of the viral interior necessary for uncoating of the virion. The neuraminidase inhibitors, which are zanamivir and osultamivir, are sialic acid mimics and prevent release of new viruses from cells by blocking neuraminidase from cleaving the sialic acid receptor, which is a crucial step for viral spread. Oseltamivir is currently considered first-line therapy, but to be effective, treatment should begin within 48 hours of symptom onset. Next, let's discuss paramyxovirus. These have a helical capsid, are enveloped, have a non-segmented, single-stranded, linear, negative-sense RNA structure, and the viruses of clinical significance within this family are parainfluenza virus, respiratory syncytial virus, rubiola virus, and mumps virus. The paramyxoviruses are transferred by inhalation of respiratory secretions. They have a common fusion protein, or F protein, that causes infected cells, that is, respiratory epithelial cells, to fuse together into multinucleated giant cells. Palavizumab is a monoclonal antibody against F protein and can be given to children at high risk for respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV. Parainfluenza virus can cause upper respiratory infection in healthy adults. In children and immunocompromised individuals, Parainfluenza virus can cause lower respiratory infection, particularly laryngotracheobronchitis, or croup. Croup is caused by a barking, seal-like cough and strider as airway inflammation progresses. On chest radiographs, subglottic narrowing of the trachea is seen as a steeple sign. Severe infections with respiratory distress are treated with glucocorticoids, usually dexamethasone, and racemic epinephrine. Respiratory syncytial virus is the most common cause of lower respiratory tract infection in children less than one year old. Outbreaks of RSV occur seasonally, with peaks in the winter season. 
Infants with RSV present with tachypnea or periods of apnea and signs of respiratory distress, including low oxygen saturation, intercostal or subcostal retractions, nasal flaring, grunting, and or expiratory wheezing. Chest radiographs show patchy atelectasis and peribronchial thickening. Premature infants and infants with pulmonary disease are among those at a higher risk for severe RSV infection. The mumps virus causes low-grade fever, malaise, headache, and myalgia and is accompanied by painful swelling of the salivary glands, see figure 553, particularly the parotid gland. Other causes of parotid enlargement include Sjogren's syndrome, Staph aureus parotitis, and bulimia. About 30% of infected males will also develop orchitis, which is swelling of the testes. In rare cases, mumps-induced orchitis can lead to fertility problems. Rare complications include meningitis, hearing loss, and pancreatitis. Children are vaccinated against mumps with the MMR vaccine. Recently isolated outbreaks of mumps have affected unimmunized students on college campuses. Figure 554 shows the pathophysiology of the disease. Rubiola virus causes measles, which is highly contagious and is spread through respiratory secretions. After an incubation period of about two weeks, infected individuals have a high fever with cough, coryza, and conjunctivitis, or the three Cs. Coplic spots, shown in figure 555, are pathognomonic for measles and develop on the buccal mucosa. Coplic spots appear as small red lesions with a white or bluish center and can take on a grains of salt appearance. The measles rash, shown in figure 556, appears after the onset of fever, about 48 hours after the onset of coplic spots. It is an erythematous maculopapular rash that starts on the head and spreads to the body. Lesions can become confluent, especially on the face. Children are vaccinated with a live, attenuated form of the virus as part of the MMR vaccine. Vaccination prevents against measles infection and its complications, including myocarditis and encephalitis. It also prevents against the serious late-onset complication, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, or SSPE, which occurs 7 to 10 years after an initial measles infection and is a progressive and fatal neurodegenerative disease. Next, let's discuss rhabdoviruses. They have a helical capsid, are enveloped, have a single-stranded, linear, negative-sense RNA structure, and the virus of clinical significance within this family is rabies virus. The rabies virus causes rabies and is transmitted by the bite of an infected animal, such as bat, dog, cat, skunk, raccoon, or fox. The virus replicates at the wound and then migrates in a retrograde fashion up nerve axons to the CNS. After a prodrome of fever, headache, and fatigue, an infected individual develops encephalitis marked by hyperactivity, agitation, and painful pharyngeal or inspiratory spasms incited by water, or even air, which are called hydrophobia and aerophobia respectively. Seizures and flaccid paralysis are also present. Negri bodies, which are collections of rabies virus, see figure 557, are present in brain biopsy specimens of infected individuals. A rabies vaccine is available for domesticated pets and animals. If an individual has been bitten by an animal whose rabies status is unknown and unable to be determined, the wound should be washed and sterilized as soon as possible for greatest risk reduction. The individual is vaccinated with rabies immunoglobulin, or RIG, and a rabies vaccine series. Veterinarians and cave explorers get pre-exposure prophylaxis. If a patient wakes up and there's a bat in their room, They get RIG and the vaccine regardless of whether a known bite has occurred. Bat bites are notoriously very hard to find. Next, let's discuss filoviruses. These have a helical capsid, are enveloped, have a single-stranded, linear, negative-sense RNA structure, and the viruses of clinical significance within this family are Marburg virus and Ebola virus. Marburg virus and Ebola virus cause a viral hemorrhagic fever, characterized by a prodromal flu-like illness that progresses to coagulopathy and hemorrhage, that is, maculopapular rash, purpura or petechiae, bleeding from mucosal surfaces, frank bloody vomit or stool. Death occurs from complications of capillary leak syndrome or shock. The virus is spread by direct contact with bodily fluids and may be potentially spread by aerosolized droplets. Treatment is supportive and is aimed at preventing further spread of disease. 
Ebola virus, C. figure 558, is likely acquired by the handling of infected wild animals. Next, let's discuss Delta viruses. These have a helical capsid, are enveloped, have a single-stranded, circular, negative-sense RNA structure, and the virus of clinical significance within this family is the hepatitis D virus. Hep D is transmitted parenterally through IV drug use, contact, or transfusion with infected blood. It requires previous infection or co-infection with hepatitis B in order to replicate. HDV utilizes the HBV lipoprotein envelope. When HDV infects an individual with chronic HBV, co-infection results in an acute on-chronic hepatitis with risk for progression to fulminant hepatitis. Concomitant infection with Hep B and Hep D can accelerate cirrhosis or HCC progression. Vaccination against HBV prevents HDV infection. Next, let's discuss arena viruses. These have a helical capsid, are enveloped, and have a single-stranded, circular, negative, segmented into two pieces RNA structure. The virus of clinical significance within this family is lymphocytic choreomeningitis virus, or LCMV. Lymphocytic choreomeningitis virus is carried by the house mouse and other rodents. Humans acquire infection by exposure to infected mouse saliva or excrement, for example through inhalation, eating affected food, or direct exposure through an open cut. In symptomatic individuals, LCMV can cause a prodromal flu-like illness followed by meningitis or encephalitis. Next, let's discuss bunya viruses. These have a helical capsid, are enveloped, have a single-stranded, circular, negative, segmented into three pieces RNA structure, and the viruses of clinical significance within this family are hantavirus, Crimean-Congo hemorrhagic fever virus, Rift Valley fever virus, and California encephalitis. Bunya viruses, with the exception of hantavirus, are arboviruses transmitted by the bite of infected mosquitoes, such as lacrosse encephalitis virus or California encephalitis virus transmitted by the bite of infected ticks, such as Crimean-Congo hemorrhagic fever, and by the bite of infected sandflies in the case of Rift Valley fever, which is also a hemorrhagic fever. Hantaviruses are carried by the deer mouse and other rodents. Hantavirus is a robovirus for rodent, born, whereas the others are arboviruses for arthropod, born. Humans are infected by contact with rodent saliva, urine, or feces, the disease has been reported across the United States, but is more commonly reported in the Four Corners region of New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, and Utah. Suspect hantavirus in an individual who develops a flu-like illness with severe respiratory symptoms after known exposure to rodents, for example a rodent bite or sweeping out a barn with rodents and rodent feces present. Hantavirus causes two severe illnesses hemorrhagic fever with renal syndrome, or HFRS, and hantavirus pulmonary syndrome, or HPS. HFRS is endemic to China, the Korean Peninsula, Russia, and Western Europe, and causes a febrile illness with hemorrhage, hypertension, and acute renal failure. HPS is endemic to North and South America, and causes a febrile illness with flu-like symptoms and bilateral pulmonary interstitial edema. California encephalitis virus causes encephalitis mostly in children. It is spread by forest rodents with high risk for infection in Midwest for forested areas. The disease has low mortality but can cause lasting cognitive effects. Another bunya virus, B. flevobiri, causes fever. In Africa, it is spread by mosquitoes and causes rift valley fever. In Asia and South America, it is spread by the sandfly and causes sandfly fever a classic three-day fever with quick resolution. Next, let's move on to discuss prion diseases. Prion diseases represent a unique and not fully understood set of infectious conditions. They are caused by prions, which are proteinaceous particles, which means they have no genetic material at all, which are able to convert normal proteins into prions. As a result, prion diseases have a slow incubation time, then cause rapid progression of symptoms and quick death once clinical signs become evident. Examples of prion diseases include Kuru, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease or CJD, and mad cow disease, which converts to variant CJD in the human host. Spread can occur by blood transfusion or ingestion of the meat of an infected host.
On the USMLE, look for a patient from England, which is the epicenter of the mad cow epidemic, with progressive psychiatric symptoms followed by rapid neurologic deterioration, dementia, and myoclonus. Death occurs within months of symptom onset, and there is no treatment. Let's discuss fungal diseases, and begin with an introduction to fungi. Most of the fungi among us are generally harmless and in some aspects even beneficial. We eat edible mushrooms, drink beer fermented by yeast, and eat cheese flavored with mold. There are, however, pathogenic fungi that have the potential to cause serious disease in humans. Although we come into contact with fungi and breathe in fungal spores constantly, in only rare cases do fungi cause serious disease. Fungi are eukaryotic, aerobic organisms. They reproduce both sexually and asexually through budding. All fungi have a polysaccharide cell wall composed of chitin, mannan, and glucan, and a cell membrane containing ergosterol. These components are not found in animal cell membranes, making ergosterol an excellent specific antifungal target. Fungi can exist in multiple forms, see figure 559. They can exist as unicellular, in the case of yeast, and multicellular, in the case of mold organisms. Fungi that switch between the yeast and mold forms are termed dimorphic. In the vegetative phase, fungal cells divide by mitosis and bud. Incomplete budding results in pseudohyphae, which have no true septa. True hyphae remain connected, but have septa in between them. In the reproductive phase, fungal cells produce spores, called conidia. Conidia enclosed within a sporangium sac are known as endospores. Let's begin by talking about superficial and cutaneous mycoses. Tinea versicolor and tinea nigra cause superficial infection, and tinea barbae, which causes barber's itch or folliculitis, tinea capitis, tinea corporis, which causes ringworm, tinea cruris, which causes jock itch, tinea pedis, which causes athlete's foot, and tinea unguium, which causes onychomycosis, all cause cutaneous infection. See figure 560 to see a visual aid of some of the more common superficial and cutaneous mycoses. Tinea versicolor and tinea nigra are superficial infections that cause damage of melanocytes, manifesting as discoloration of the skin. Tinea versicolor presents as hypopigmented or hyperpigmented macular lesions. This is caused by benign infection with malassezia furfur. Tinea nigra is caused by Exophiala wernicke and causes black or darkly pigmented macular lesions of the palms and soles. Both tinea versicolor and tinea nigra are diagnosed by skin scraping with KOH prep. Malassezia furfur appears as spaghetti and meatballs. See figure 561. Both are treated with topical selenium sulfide or ketoconazole. Cutaneous infections of the hair, caused by tinea barbae and tinea capitis, as well as the skin, caused by tinea corporis, tinea cruris, and tinea pedis, and nails, caused by tinea unguium, are most commonly caused by various species of trichophyton, microsporum, epidermophyton, and occasionally candida. These fungi feed off keratin of the hair, nails, and skin, resulting in hair loss in the case of tinea capitis, brittle, thickened, and yellowish nails in the case of tinea unguium, and chronic, scaly patches of skin in the case of tinea corporis, tinea cruris, and tinea pedis. Tinea corporis is also known as ringworm because of its appearance. See figure 562. Skin scraping with KOH prep shows branched hyphae. First-line treatment is topical imidazole, for example, ketoconazole or clotrimazole. For infections of the nail, use oral terbinafine. For more involved skin infections, Oral azoles, such as fluconazole or itraconazole, are used. Candidal species can exist as yeast forms, as hyphae, or as a variety of in-between forms called pseudohyphae. This is a relatively unique feature of candida. Examples of superficial candidal infections include oral thrush, see figure 563, vulvovaginitis, also known as yeast infection, and diaper rash. Chronic mucocutaneous candidiasis is usually a sign of underlying immunocompromised state or primary immunodeficiency. Treat superficial candidal infections with nystatin. Invasive candidiasis occurs in immunocompromised individuals. Oral thrush can extend to the esophagus, causing a painful candidal esophagitis. 
When candida is disseminated hematogenously, it can cause serious disseminated disease such as retinitis, endocarditis, and pneumonitis. Treatment of candidal fungemia in neutropenic patients is with an echinocandin such as caspofungin or mycofungin, etc., or lipid amphotericin B, which is safer than non-lipid amphotericin B. Special care should be taken to find the source of infection. For example, consider removing central lines, doing a CT scan to look for a focus of infection, and looking carefully at the skin and retinas. Let's move on from cutaneous and superficial infections to subcutaneous fungal infections. This section talks about chromoblastomycosis, mycetoma, and sporotrichosis. Subcutaneous fungal lesions are caused by saprophytes, fungi that normally live in the soil and subsist on rotting matter. They are usually harmless unless they find their way into an unsuspecting individual's skin or tissue, for example through a thorn prick or splinter. Chromoblastomycosis occurs after fungi from soil or rotting wood enters the skin through a cut or puncture wound. A violaceous, wart-like lesion pops up at the site of the initial wound. Untreated, more subcutaneous warty lesions pop up in the distribution of the lymphatics. Skin scraping with KOH prep shows copper pennies or copper-colored sclerotic bodies. Curative treatment is difficult. Standard treatment is itraconazole and or lesion excision. Mycetoma, which causes madura foot, is endemic to parts of Asia, Africa, and South America, occurring when an individual steps on a sharp object and the wound is inoculated with fungal spores. The fungi cause deep tissue infection, sinus tract formation, and swelling of the affected limb. See figure 564. Sporotrichosis caused by Sporothrix schenkii is an example of a dimorphic saprophytic fungus. For the purposes of step 1, remember that Sporothrix lives in the soil and in rose thorns. Classic presentation involves an unsuspecting gardener who pricks himself on a rose thorn. A pustule or nodule-turned ulcer appears at the site of the lesion. Left untreated, subcutaneous nodules track up the arm in a lymphatic distribution called ascending lymphangitis. See figure 565. This is rarely a systemic illness. Treat with potassium iodide or itraconazole. Mycobacterium marinum causes a similar-looking lesion in people who work with fish tanks, so look at the history. Is the patient a gardener or a fish fancier? Next, let's discuss systemic mycoses. Systemic mycoses in normal individuals include blastomycosis, histoplasmosis, coccidioidomycosis, and paracoccidioidomycosis. The systemic mycoses are caused by dimorphic fungi. Infection is usually acquired by the inhalation of mold spores from the soil. At elevated temperatures, for example in the lungs, the dimorphic fungi morph into yeast forms. Blastomycosis, histoplasmosis, and coccidioidomycosis are considered endemic infections in the United States, whereas paracoccidioidomycosis is primarily found in Central and South America. Dimorphic fungi can cause disease in normal, healthy individuals. Usually, primary infection starts in the lung and secondary infection results from invasive spread to other organ systems. Most inhaled fungal infections are asymptomatic. Of symptomatic individuals, most develop a self-limited pneumonia. Very rarely does infection progress to chronic pneumonia or disseminated infection, which usually occurs in the setting of immunodeficiency or other immunocompromised states. Blastomycosis is caused by inhalation of the mold spores of Blastomyces dermatitidis. It is endemic to the region of Mississippi River Valley and eastward. Diagnosis is made by visualization of Blastomyces yeast forms with broad-based buds, see figure 566, in sputum, skin scrapings, or pus. Acute pulmonary infection presents with nonspecific flu-like symptoms. In immunocompromised individuals, infection evolves into a tuberculosis-like chronic pulmonary disease with fever, weight loss, night sweats, and dissemination. Skin is involved in 70% of disseminated infections, causing characteristic raised granulomatous skin lesions, hence the name Blastomyces dermatitidis, see figure 567. Bone infection is present in 30% of patients. 
Signs of systemic infection can occur in the absence of lung disease. Treat all forms of blastomycosis. It's rare, but it's severe. The drug of choice is either itraconazole for mild infection or amphotericin B for serious infection. Histoplasmosis is caused by Histoplasma capsulatum, endemic in the Ohio and Mississippi River valleys as well as Central and South America. Histoplasma is especially prevalent in soil with high nitrogen content, for example, soil with bird or bat droppings, hence its other names are caver's disease and spelunker's lung. Again, most individuals and cave explorers exposed to histoplasma will not develop symptoms. If the burden of exposure is high enough, an individual can develop an acute pulmonary infection with flu-like symptoms. Most acute pulmonary infections are self-limited and do not require antifungal treatment. Dissemination occurs hematogenously or through the lymphatic system with infection of the reticuloendothelial system which causes hepatosplenomegaly. Dissemination is rare and usually occurs in immunocompromised individuals, for example those with AIDS. Diagnosis is made by visualization of the yeast forms in macrophages and giant cells. Macrophage shows a histiocyte, hence histoplasma. Urine histoplasma antigen may also be used. Severe or chronic infections are treated with itraconazole or amphotericin B. Coccidioidomycosis is caused by Coccidioides immitis. Known as valley fever or San Joaquin Valley fever, it is endemic to the southwestern United States, including Southern California, Arizona, Nevada, or New Mexico. Outbreaks of coccidioidomycosis in the southwestern United States are often preceded by new construction projects, farming projects, or earthquakes. In symptomatic individuals, coccidioides usually causes a mild flu-like illness, joint pains, and pneumonia. In less than 1% of individuals, coccidioides causes chronic, disseminated infection that has a predilection for the CNS and causes meningitis. Patients may develop erythema nodosum, tender red nodules on both shins from inflammation of subcutaneous fat, which is not specific. Certain ethnic groups may be predisposed to disseminated infection, including people of Filipino, African American, or Native American descent. Diagnosis is made by visualization of yeast forms with the appearance of large spherules in the tissue. See figure 568. Treat non-CNS infections with itraconazole. For disseminated disease, use amphotericin B. For CNS infection, use fluconazole. Paracoxidioidomycosis is caused by Paracoxidioides brasiliensis. This disease is endemic to South America. In symptomatic individuals, it causes a mild pneumonia and flu-like illness similar to that in histoplasmosis and coccidioidomycosis. Diagnosis is made by visualization of a captain's wheel in the tissue. See figure 569. Let's move on to discuss systemic mycoses in immunocompromised individuals. This group includes aspergillosis, cryptococcosis, and pneumocystis gyrovicii. Aspergillus species are ubiquitous mold found in the environment and usually cause disease by inhalation of spores. In immunocompetent individuals, aspergillus can cause allergic bronchopulmonary aspergillosis, or ABPA. This condition manifests as an allergic, IgE-mediated hypersensitivity reaction to inhaled aspergillus, causing peripheral eosinophilia, bronchospasm, and, if left untreated, irreversible lung changes. Anywhere from 5-20% to of steroid-dependent asthmatic patients may have underlying ABPA. Aspergilloma, a literal fungus ball of aspergillus, may take up residence in pre-existing cavitary lung lesions in individuals with previous tuberculosis infection or other cavitary lung disease. Aspergillus usually causes invasive disease in immunocompromised individuals, particularly those taking immunosuppressives, neutropenic patients such as after bone marrow transplant, and those with chronic granulomatous disease. Invasive disease may manifest as rapidly invasive acute fungal sinusitis that can spread to the brain or as disseminated invasive aspergillosis, which is fatal without treatment with potent antifungals such as voriconazole, caspofungin, or amphotericin B. Diagnosis is made by visualization of the characteristic mold forms in tissue biopsy or sputum. See figure 570. Aspergillus hyphae, 
are septated and branch at acute angles of 45 degrees. See figure 571. Cryptococcus neoformans cases occur mainly in immunocompromised individuals. Individuals acquire cryptococcus through inhalation of yeast forms from the environment, particularly from pigeon and bird droppings. Cryptococcus is most notorious for causing meningitis that presents with fever, headache, and confusion. It is the most common cause of fungal meningitis. It also causes pneumonia and skin infections that manifest as cutaneous pustules and abscesses. Diagnosis is made by lumbar puncture with visualization of encapsulated yeast forms by India Ink Stain. See figure 572. Diagnosis can also be made by measurement of cryptococcal antigen level in serum or CSF. Treat with fluconazole for mild infection and amphotericin B with 5-flucytosine for meningeal or other severe infections. Those with cryptococcal meningitis who are immunosuppressed may need suppressive therapy with fluconazole after initial treatment. Pneumocystis gyrovicii, previously pneumocystis carinii or PCP, is a yeast that causes pneumonia among immunocompromised patients, although it silently infects most immunocompetent individuals, hence making it a perfect opportunistic infection. The most common opportunistic infection among AIDS patients in developing nations. Although the name has changed, you will still hear many patients refer to pneumocystis gyrovicii pneumonia as PCP. Suspect this disease when an HIV patient presents with symptoms of pneumonia and a CD4 cell count less than 200, and especially if the CD4 count is less than 100. Diagnosis is by antibody staining of sputum or by bronchoalveolar lavage if the sputum sample is inconclusive. Prophylaxis should begin with a CD4 count less than 200 in all AIDS patients. The first choice for prophylaxis is trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole. The second choice is Dapsone, but don't forget to test for G6PD deficiency first. Prophylaxis in developing nations has significantly reduced the incidence of pneumocystis pneumonia, but breakthrough cases do occur. Treatment choices are the same as for prophylaxis, but in IV form. Next, let's discuss parasitic infections. Parasites are eukaryotic organisms that require a host for survival. Human disease-causing parasites come in two forms the single-celled protozoa, and the multicellular helminths, such as cestodes, nematodes, and trematodes. Humans are not the primary host for parasites. Rather, the infection is acquired by ingestion, insect bite, or penetration of the mucous membranes or skin. Parasites undergo different life stages, which determine both the route of entry for infection and the disease manifestations. Protozoa, for example, exist in both trophozite form, which is the reproducing or feeding form, and as cysts, which are the protective and dormant form that even asymptomatic carriers may shed for years depending on the organism. In this section, we discuss protozoa by mechanism of disease. This is divided into CNS disease, GI disease, blood-borne disease, and STIs, and then discuss helminths. First, let's discuss protozoa beginning with protozoa that cause CNS infections. This group includes acanthamoeba species, Nigleria fowleri, and Toxoplasma gondii. Acanthamoeba are free-living amoeba that cause infection through the skin, inhalation, or hematologic spread. Infection has been associated with granulomatous amoebic meningoencephalitis in immunocompromised patients. In normal individuals, acanthamoeba cause keratitis in contact lens wearers after use of the contaminated lens cleaning fluid. Nigleria fowleri is also a free-living amoeba that takes residence in warm bodies of fresh water. Trophozoite forms of Nigleria swim through the olfactory mucosa and the cribriform plate of unsuspecting swimmers and into the brain, causing a rapid-onset acute meningoencephalitis 1-14 to 14 days after exposure. Survival of this disease is rare. Diagnosis is made by confirmation of nigleria in the CSF. Toxoplasma gondii can be found in all animals, but is especially endemic to the intestinal tract of cats. Humans acquire infection by ingestion of cysts in infected undercooked meat, such as pork or lamb, or cat feces, such as through cleaning a litter box. The organisms desist once consumed, and eventually sporozoites released from the small intestine move into the macrophages. See figure 573. 
infected, circulating macrophages eventually burst, allowing the organism to move into other host cells, including nerve cells. Primary symptomatic infection is rare in normal individuals. In immunocompetent individuals, infection may manifest as a flu-like illness with lymphadenopathy. Immunocompromised individuals are at risk for disseminated disease, including involvement of the brain and lungs. HIV and AIDS patients may present with mental status changes or encephalitis, leading to brain imaging that reveals ring-enhancing lesions on CT or MRI. See Figure 574. Lesions tend to occur in the basal ganglia. Prophylaxis is warranted in AIDS patients with CD4 counts less than 100, with either TMP-SMX or sulfadiazine and pyrimethamine. Transplacental infection is also possible. For this reason, pregnant women are strongly encouraged to avoid cleaning litter boxes. When Toxoplasma gondii, the T in torches for torches infections, causes intrauterine infection, it may still cause stillbirth or severe congenital abnormalities such as chorioretinitis, hydrocephalus, and intracranial calcifications. Diagnose by IgM antibodies against Toxoplasma gondii, or by biopsy of brain lesions. Treat with sulfadiazine and pyrimethamine. The differential diagnosis of a ring-enhancing lesion in an AIDS patient includes CNS lymphoma as well as toxoplasmosis. Next, let's discuss protozoa that cause GI infections. This group includes Cryptosporidium parvum, Entamoeba histolytica, and Giardia lamblia. Cryptosporidium parvum cysts can be found in unfiltered water and can be responsible for community outbreaks of watery diarrhea. When ingested, Cryptosporidium parvum cysts cause a mild, self-limited form of diarrhea in immunocompetent individuals. They may cause profuse, life-threatening diarrhea in immunocompromised individuals, such as those with HIV and AIDS. Diagnosis is made by detection of partially acid-fast cysts in the stool. See figure 575. Treatment is generally supportive. Patients with normal immune systems can be given nidazoxanide. Entamoeba histolytica causes amoebiasis or amoebic dysentery. Ingestion of cysts, such as what is seen in figure 576, in contaminated water leads to infection and ulceration of the intestinal epithelium by the amoeba. This results in abdominal pain and bloody diarrhea. Biopsy of colonic tissue shows classic flask-shaped ulcers. Without treatment, entamoeba histolytica can disseminate to other organs, leading to abscess formation in the lung, such as a right-sided empyema as a direct extension from the liver, as well as abscess formation in the liver, colon, and rarely in the brain. Aspiration of a liver abscess reveals anchovy paste-like material, Diagnosis is made by visualization of trophozoites or cyst forms in stool, colonoscopy with tissue biopsy, or antigen testing against entamoeba histolytica. Treat colonization with eodoquinol or paromamycin. Invasive disease should be treated with metronidazole. Giardia lamblia infection, or giardiasis, is acquired through the fecal-oral route by ingestion of giardia lamblia cysts in contaminated water. In the intestine, Giardia trophozoites, such as in figure 577, attach to brush border enterocytes, causing injury to the microvilli and villus atrophy and subsequent chronic, watery diarrhea. Fat absorption is altered, leading to foul-smelling fatty diarrhea with symptoms of chronic abdominal pain and bloating. IgA is important for prevention and clearance of Giardia infection, so suspect IgA deficiency in an individual with recurrent giardiasis. Suspect giardiasis in an individual with chronic diarrhea, with a history of hiking or camping, and use of untreated spring or river waters. Beavers, among other animals, are thought to be natural reservoirs of giardia. Outbreaks of giardiasis also occur in daycare centers and schools. Diagnosis is made by visualization of cysts in the stool from three different stool samples, or detection of giardia antigen in a single sample. Drugs approved for the treatment of Giardia include nidazoxanide and tinidazole, although metronidazole is most commonly used. Next, let's discuss protozoa that cause bloodborne infections. This group includes Babesia microti, Leishmania species, Plasmodium species, and Trypanosoma species. Babesia microti, which causes babesiosis, is a protozoan transmitted by the bite of the infected Ixodes tick. The Ixodes tick also carries Borrelia burgdorferi. 
In endemic areas such as northeastern United States, rule out Lyme disease in patients in whom you suspect babesiosis. Babesia microti is a relative of malaria in the northeastern United States. Babesia sporozoites are introduced into the human bloodstream and infect red blood cells. Babesiosis may also be transmitted by blood transfusion. Diagnosis is made by visualization of Babesia trophozoites, which appear as ring forms, and Merozoites, which appear as Maltese crosses. See figure 578. In symptomatic individuals, disease is similar to malaria and manifests as fever, myalgia, fatigue, and hemolytic anemia. Disease is more severe in immunocompromised individuals. Treat with atovaquone and azithromycin. Second-line treatments are quinine and clindamycin. Exchange transfusion may be necessary for severe infections. Leishmania donovani and Leishmania species, which cause leishmaniasis, are found in more than 80 countries, mostly in the tropical and subtropical regions, such as Mexico, South America, Southern Europe, Asia, the Middle East, and North and East Africa. Leishmaniasis is spread by the bite of the infected sandfly. Diagnosis is made by visualization of amastigotes within macrophages and tissues. See figure 579. Disease manifestation depends on Leishmania species and the host immune response. Cutaneous Leishmaniasis is a slowly healing skin ulcer at the site of the sandfly bite. Diffuse cutaneous Leishmaniasis is disseminated infection, leading to subcutaneous nodules lasting up to 20 years in individuals with impaired immune function. Mucocutaneous leishmaniasis is destructive ulcers of the skin and mucous membranes leading to disfiguring scarring, such as in figure 580. Visceral leishmaniasis is when the parasite disseminates in macrophages to the liver, spleen, lymph nodes, bone marrow, and other organs. Visceral leishmaniasis manifests with fever, weight loss, hepatosplenomegaly, lymphadenopathy, and pancytopenia with dark granulomatous skin lesions. Cutaneous leishmaniasis is caused by Leishmania tropica and Leishmania mexicana. Mucocutaneous leishmaniasis is caused by Leishmania brasiliensis. And visceral leishmaniasis, also known as calaazar, which means black illness, named for the hyperpigmented skin lesions, is caused by Leishmania donovani. Treat leishmaniasis with sodium stibagluconate or amphotericin B. Plasmodium species, which include the species falciparum, vivax, ovalia, and malariae, cause malaria. The infection is transmitted by the Anopheles mosquito. Different species are endemic to different regions. Plasmodium falciparum and Plasmodium malariae are found predominantly in Africa and Asia, but can be found worldwide. Plasmodium vivax is concentrated in Latin America and the Indian subcontinent, whereas Plasmodium ovale is endemic to Africa. For travelers to foreign countries, consult with the CDC Travel Guide for Appropriate Malarial Chemoprophylaxis. The bite of an infected Anopheles mosquito introduces plasmodium sporozoites into the bloodstream, which infect and mature into schizonts and liver cells. Plasmodium vivax and plasmodium ovale may persist in the liver, causing relapsing infection without appropriate treatment. Mature merozoites emerge and then infect red blood cells. Diagnosis of malarial infection can be made by blood smear by visualization of the ring trophozoite or mature schizont and merozoite. See figure 581. If the USMLE gives you, quote, banana gametocytes on the blood smear, it's plasmodium falciparum. Malaria is characterized by recurrent fevers with severe chills, headache, nausea, muscle and joint pain, splenomegaly, and anemia. Between fevers, the patient is asymptomatic. Fevers correlate with emergence of new merozoites from infected red blood cells. Periodicity of fevers is determined by the species-specific life cycle of plasmodium. Plasmodium vivax and plasmodium ovale cause fevers every 48 hours, called tertian fevers. Plasmodium malariae causes fevers every 72 hours, called quartan fevers. Plasmodium falciparum, the most severe form of malarial infection, causes recurrent fevers at irregular intervals. Intravascular hemolysis may occur in plasmodium falciparum infection, called blackwater fever because of the dark color that hemoglobin gives the urine. Left untreated, plasmodium falciparum infection leads to death. Red blood cells infected with plasmodium falciparum stick to vessels, 
causing capillary congestion and infarction of the brain, resulting in cerebral malaria, of the lung resulting in pulmonary edema, and of the kidney resulting in renal failure. Treatment is dependent on the region where the infection was acquired. Treatment resistance is also dependent on geographic location. Chloroquine is first-line treatment, but treatment resistance is now common. Use mefloquine or other quinine derivatives or atovaquone proguanol for chloroquine-resistant infections. Remember that patients who are G6PD deficient cannot receive quinine-derived medications. Infections with Plasmodium vivax or Plasmodium ovale should be treated with the addition of primaquine to eradicate persistent liver infection. Trypanosoma crucii causes American trypanosomiasis, also known as Chagas disease, and is carried by the reduvid bug, or kissing bug. An infected kissing bug feeds on a human and deposits feces nearby the site of the bite, called a chagoma. Trypanosoma cruci causes American trypanosomiasis, also known as Chagas disease, and is carried by the reduvid bug, or kissing bug. An infected kissing bug feeds on a human and deposits feces nearby the site of the bite, called a chagoma. Trypanosoma cruci trypomastigotes, present in the feces, enter the blood through the bite wound or through mucous membranes and infect various organs. If bitten near the eye, patients may have periorbital swelling, known as the Romagna sign. Acute infection may manifest as fever, lymphadenopathy, hepatosplenomegaly, and myocarditis. Chronic Chagas disease may not manifest until months or years after initial infection. Although asymptomatic, carriers can transmit disease through blood transfusion or even transplacentally. Chronic Chagas disease causes dilated organs, dilated cardiomyopathy, megaesophagus, and megacolon. The disease is endemic to Central and South America. Diagnosis is made by visualization of trypanosomes in the blood during acute infection. Treat with benzinidazole or nefertamox. African trypanosomiasis, or sleeping sickness, is caused by trypanosoma brucei gambiensi in West Africa and trypanosoma brucei rotesiensi in East Africa and transmitted by the bite of the tsetse fly. The East African form is more severe. Trypomastigotes are hematogenously disseminated through the body and replicate in the blood, lymphatics, and spinal fluid. Disease manifestation occurs in three stages. Number one is the chancre. The painful tsetse fly bite reveals a large, itchy chancre that resolves within one to two weeks. Number two is hematologic or lymphatic dissemination, which manifests as recurrent fever, fatigue, and lymphadenopathy. Number three is CNS changes. Meningoencephalitis causes headaches, changes in behavior, focal neurologic deficits, and excessive somnolence leading to eventual coma and death. Treat with suramin for a bloodborne infection or melarzoprol for CNS involvement. Next, let's move on to discuss protozoa that are sexually transmitted. This group includes Trichomonas vaginalis. Trichomonas vaginalis causes trichomoniasis and is a motile, flagellated protozoan that does not form cysts. Infection is acquired by sexual transmission of trichomonas trophozoites. In women, it causes a vaginitis characterized by itching, burning, dysuria, and a frothy malodorous discharge that can be clear, white, yellow, or green in color. In men, it may cause a mild urethritis. Diagnosis is made by visualization of motile trophozoites on wet mount. See figure 583. Treat the patient and partner with metronidazole. Interestingly, trichomonas is the only protozoan that does not exist in cyst form because it never leaves the host environment. It is sexually transmitted and therefore has no need for a protective or dormant form. That's it for protozoa. Next, let's discuss helminths. Helminths are divided into two major groups, nematodes, also known as roundworms, and platyhelminths, also known as flatworms. Flatworms are further divided into cestodes, which are tapeworms, and trematodes, which are flukes. Nematodes that cause intestinal infections include hookworms, threadworm, roundworm, dog roundworm, whipworm, and pinworm. We'll move on to discuss each of these species individually. Hookworms include Ancyclostoma duodenali and Nicator americanus, which are commonly found in tropical and subtropical regions of the world. Hookworm eggs hatch in the soil. Larvae are able to penetrate the soles of bare feet. 
they migrate through the bloodstream and into the lung. They mature in the lung and are coughed up and swallowed into the intestine. Hookworms attach to the small intestinal mucosa and feed on human blood. Clinical manifestations of hookworm infection include local reaction at the site of parasite injury, see figure 584, as well as pneumonitis in the lung phase and abdominal pain and iron deficiency anemia as a consequence of parasitic feeding. Peripheral eosinophilia may be present. Diagnosis is made by stool ova and parasite testing, also known as ONP. Treat with parental pomoate or albendazole. Threadworm, which includes the species Strongyloides stercoralis, is also more commonly found in tropical and subtropical regions. It can also be found in the southeastern United States. Much like hookworms, Strongyloides larvae in the soil penetrate the soles of bare feet and migrate to the lung, and then to the intestine when coughed up and swallowed. Strongyloides are able to lay eggs that hatch directly into the intestine, perpetuating infection. Strongyloides is the only helminth that is able to multiply within the human body. You can remember that it is strong. This is the reason that, number one, Strongyloides infection can be diagnosed by visualization of larvae and not the eggs in the stool, as well as the reason that, number two, Strongyloides infection can persist for years. Clinical manifestations of Strongyloides infection include pruritic rash at the site of parasite entry, pneumonitis, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. Individuals who are immunocompromised, especially after receiving high-dose corticosteroids, may have severe, disseminated strongyloides infection. They may also be at risk for sepsis because the strongyloides larvae track gut bacteria into the bloodstream as they invade. Treat strongyloides with ivermectin. Roundworm, which includes the species Ascaris lumbricoides, eggs are present in soil. When ingested, Ascaris eggs hatch in the intestine. Emergent larvae breach into the bloodstream through the intestinal mucosa. They undergo further development in the lung, after which they are coughed up and swallowed back into the intestine. Ascaris may present with pneumonitis in the lung phase or with malnutrition or bowel obstruction in the gut phase. Diagnosis is made by visualization of Ascaris eggs in the stool. Treat with parental pomoate, ivermectin, or albendazole. Ascariasis is the most common helminthic infection. Dog roundworm, caused by the species Toxocara canis, is a parasite usually found in dogs, but it may occasionally cause disease in humans. The eggs are passed in dog feces. When ingested by humans, the hatched eggs are unable to undergo a lung phase and embed in the organs instead. The complications of Toxocara canis include visceral larva migraines, which causes hepatitis, myocarditis, and seizures as well as ocular larva migraines, which causes retinal lesions and strabismus. Look for a patient with fever, hepatosplenomegaly, and eosinophilia. Whipworm, caused by the species Trichuris trichiura, is so named for its distinctive shape. See figure 585. Whipworm infection is found worldwide, but is especially endemic to tropical regions. Whipworm eggs are ingested, hatch in the small intestine, and parasitize the large intestine. It is different from the roundworm in that it does not need to migrate to the lung to mature. Especially severe infections are associated with bloody diarrhea and rectal prolapse. Diagnosis is made via stool O and P. Treat this with mebendazole. Pinworm, caused by the species Enterobius vermicularis infection, is the most common helminthic infection in the United States. Infection is particularly common in children. Pinworm eggs are swallowed because they are found in contaminated food. Mature pinworms hatch and live in the large intestine. At night, female worms crawl to the anus and lay their eggs. See figure 586 for a microscopic slide. The eggs are laid in the perianal area, which causes nighttime anal pruritus. Diagnosis is made by the scotch tape test, where eggs can be visualized on adhesive tape after being applied to the perianal area. Treat pinworm with albendazole or parental pomoate. Nematodes that cause other tissue infections include the following. Guinea worm, caused by the species Dracunculus medinensis, Loa Loa, and Oncocerca volvulus, as well as Trichinella spiralis and Wucheria bancrofti. Guinea worm, caused by Dracunculus medinensis, larva, take residence in the water flea and are transmitted to humans by contaminated drinking water. 
As a result of preventive measures such as filtering water, the guinea worm is endemic only to certain regions of Africa. Larvae migrate from the gut to the subcutaneous tissues. Adult females emerge from the skin to give birth to larvae, causing painful skin ulceration. Loa loa is transmitted to humans by biting flies, such as the horsefly. Adult worms parasitize the subcutaneous tissue. Their migration through the skin is marked through reactions called calabar swellings. They are most notable for their appearance in the conjunctiva of the eye. See figure 587. Treat with diethyl carbamazine. Oncocerca volvulus is transmitted by the female black fly. Worms live in the skin, causing pruritus. Chronic skin infection can manifest as subcutaneous nodules, hyperpigmented skin lesions, or skin lichenification. Worms may also affect the eye, causing corneal and retinal lesions, known as river blindness. Treat with ivermectin. Trichinella spiralis larvae, which cause trichinosis, take residence in the skeletal muscle of infected animals and lie dormant as cysts. Humans acquire trichinella infection by eating raw or undercooked meat, particularly pork. Larvae exist in the stomach and migrate from the intestine to the muscle. Their migration causes muscle pain and weakness and occasionally periorbital edema. Diagnosis can be made by rising serologic titers or visualization of cysts on muscle biopsy. Treat with mebendazole or albendazole, corticosteroids, and supportive therapy during the migratory phase, which can be life-threatening. Wucheraria bancrofti, which causes filariasis, is found in the tropical and subtropical countries and transmitted by the bite of the female mosquito. Wucheraria bancrofti, which causes filariasis, is found in the tropical and subtropical countries and transmitted by the bite of the female mosquito. It parasitizes the lymphatics. Chronic, untreated infection leads to lymphedema and elephantiasis, particularly of the lower limbs. See figure 588. The drug of choice is diethyl carbamazine. Next, let's discuss platyhelminths. This group, is of cestodes, also known as tapeworms, and includes tinea, such as tinea saginata or tinea solium, as well as diphyllobothrium latum and echinococcus granulosus. Diphyllobothrium latum, also known as fish tapeworm, is acquired by the consumption of raw freshwater fish. It infects the ileum and is usually asymptomatic but may cause macrocytic anemia from vitamin B12 deficiency as a result of the parasite competition for the dietary B12. Treat the B12 deficiency and give praziquantel. Echinococcus granulosus, known as dog tapeworm, is carried by dogs as well as its usual intermediate hosts, sheep. Humans may acquire infection after the consumption of eggs in contaminated food or exposure to sheep or dog feces. Newly hatched larvae migrate to the liver, where they grow and form a cystic cavity known as a hydatid cyst. Diagnosis is usually made when the cyst becomes symptomatic, causing right upper quadrant pain. The contents of the cyst may cause anaphylaxis, so echinococcal antigens are first neutralized with hypertonic saline or ethanol before surgical removal of the cyst. Treat with albendazole. Tinea species such as Tinea saginata or Tinea solium cause intestinal infection and are acquired by the consumption of larvae and cystocerci in infected beef, in the case of Tinea saginata, or infected pork, in the case of Tinea solium. Intestinal infection is manifested by abdominal pain and rarely may cause intestinal obstruction. When a human consumes Tinea solium eggs, however, the eggs hatch in the intestine and form cystocerci in human tissue, causing cystocercosis, which manifests as cysts in the muscle, eye, and internal organs, or neurocystocercosis if they migrate to the brain. See figure 589 for an MRI scan, showing cerebral cystocercosis. Neurocystocercosis may present as seizures. First-line treatment is with praziquantel. For neurocystocercosis, use albendazole with antiepileptics and steroids as well as supportive therapy. Finally, let's discuss trematodes, also known as flukes. All trematodes develop into two intermediate hosts before definitive infection in humans. Almost all trematodes first infect snails. Humans acquire trematode infection from the second host, which can be fish, shellfish, or generally the environment. Trematodes that cause GI infections include Clonorchis sinensis, Paragonimus westermani, and Schistosomiasis. Clonorchis sensus, 
also known as the Chinese liver fluke, is acquired by eating cysts presenting in raw or undercooked fish. The worms mature in the bile ducts, causing inflammation and fibrosis in particularly heavy infections. Long-term consequences of chlorinochiasis include biliary obstruction and gallstones, bacterial cholangitis, and cholangiosarcoma. Treat with praziquantel. Paragonimus westermani, known as the lung fluke, is acquired by eating raw or undercooked freshwater crab or crayfish. Larvae migrate from the gut to the lung, which causes pulmonary inflammation and hemoptysis. Diagnosis is made by visualization of parasite eggs in the sputum or stool. Treat with praziquantel. Schistosomiasis, known as blood flukes, are species found in the tropical and subtropical regions worldwide. Schistosoma mansoni can be found in Africa and South America. Schistosoma hematobium is endemic to Africa, whereas Schistosoma japonicum is endemic to parts of Asia. Schistosomes start their life cycle in water snails. Humans acquire schistosomiasis infection by swimming in snail-infested waters. Free-living larvae penetrate the skin, causing what's known as the swimmer's itch, before migrating to the lung and then maturing in the liver. Acute infection may be marked by fever with urticarial rash, known as katayama fever. Adult worms migrate in the portal system, hence the name blood flukes, to the submucosal venules to lay eggs. Schistosoma hematobium has a predilection for the bladder and may cause dysuria, hematuria, and eventually squamous cell carcinoma of the bladder. Schistosoma mansoni and Schistosoma japonicum favor the intestines but can lay eggs in the portal veins, leading to portal hypertension, hepatosplenomegaly, and fibrosis of the liver and spleen. Treat with praziquantel. With that, we wrap up today's episode of the Crush Step 1 podcast. A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, the publishing company behind Crush Step One, as well as all of my other books, for allowing us to put out this book in podcast format. Thank you for joining us, and please check out our other chapters.